Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Brooks Hoffman and Austin G of Nashville-based duo 641. Now we talked to the boys about their formation while they were attending Murray State University. And we also talked to them about their musical upbringings individually, both growing up in Kentucky. So please enjoy our conversation with Brooks and Austin of 641. You're both from Kentucky. And so was country music a big influence within your families or was it sort of all genres for both of you? Well, for me, country was a really heavy influence in my life. Uh, my hometown is Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So it's only an hour up the road from Nashville. So we basically grew up in Music City as it is. So um, I'll, I'll never forget listening to Shania Twain and Rascal Flatts. I mean, they were my my biggest influence growing up. I had every Rascal Flatts CD. I wanted to sing like Gary LaVox, just like anybody else did. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's a recording somewhere floating around the internet of me in my diapers with a cowboy hat on singing Any Man of Mine out of a microphone, a karaoke microphone. Uh, my mom likes to show that around every chance she gets. So, so yeah, country music's always been a huge influence in my life for sure. Didn't you do that last week? I still do it around the house. So. <laughs> uh, no, I, I grew up definitely a mixed genre family, um, but my parents were massive. Uh, Toby Keith, Big and Rich, when they popped off, you know, that's all we listened to. I remember getting a signed CD because they went to some grocery store um, near near our home. So my parents brought me home a signed Big and Rich CD. So. Uh, but early on, you know, my, my dad's cousin, we called him Uncle Marty. He was in a pretty successful band in the, in the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, I kind of listened to that organically just because I, I really liked his music. And, uh, you know, I kind of knew from an early age that you could do this. Right. And your uncle, the band he was part of, was the Freddie Jones Band. Now, I looked them up and it looked like over the years, they sort of went through quite a few members and some turnover and some turmoil at times. So within that, with what you saw from the band, did that ever discourage you from this path because of maybe the trouble that you saw that band go through? Yeah, and I think they were in a really tough, tough genre. I'm not even sure what their genre was, uh, but it was kind of like adult rock, alternative rock, but uh yeah, you know, I never thought I'd be in a band professionally growing up. I always thought I'd go to school and get a job. And, you know, all the stars aligned once we graduated college and everything just kind of worked out perfectly. Right. And now within your families, Brooks, I saw that for the all night video shoot, I believe you filmed it at your granddad's farm in yeah. Springfield, Kentucky. And so growing up, was that farm a big part of your childhood? 100% basically grew up there still yeah. is yeah still is I've probably gone there more in the past two years than I did my entire childhood oh wow so, uh, you get older you appreciate things a little bit more um 
so yeah, a major part of growing up. We uh, we just did our last writers retreat out there, that yeah. same spot. So we we utilize that spot a whole lot. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's what you say, like five hundred acres, hundred acres, yeah, something know. like that around there. So yeah. it's a big plot of land. It's got like a little man-made pond and a and a cottage. So we any way we can use that spot, we can. I mean, that was the first show we played after we formed six forty one, a little Fourth of July party. Brooks's family has out there annually. So yeah. Oh, nice. And Austin, for you, you mentioned jumping up and singing Shania Twain when you're like three years old. Now, within that, was your family musical? Is that where you drew that from? Or was that something just different for you that you just gravitated towards? It's kind of a mix, honestly. I mean, my mom, she grew up singing, but nothing, nothing big. I mean, just church in middle school. Um, my, my grandmother, she played piano for the church that I went to. So one of those typical Southern Baptist families and um, my brothers can sing. I was just the first one that actually acted upon it. Um, I did choir and theater growing up as well. So I was that kid. Um, I did that in sports. So I was anything to stay out of the house. So uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely influenced me with the musical choices um, and just that overall ability to chase your dream and do whatever you want to do. But as of, like actually musicians? No, not at all. Oh, he actually can sing. Oh yeah, he can yeah. he can sing, he can rap. I have an eleven year old brother and he's he's in that rap phase right now. So he's he's writing rap lyrics on his backpack uh, journal. Oh nice. So will you ever maybe include him on a track to get sort of that country rap involved? Hey, he 100%. might yeah, he might hop in about ten years from now and be a little co producer. You never know. Little G. Yeah, little G on the track. That's amazing. And now, Brooks, for you, I think it was your Mima that I saw attended your Whiskey Jam show back in December of 2017. Yeah. Now, talk about her and just the influence of her growing up and on this journey. Man, some of my earliest memories are just of singing. Are uh, I used to sing the Kit Kat song just at her house, and she and she used to sing to me uh, as a baby the, the Jesus loves me, yes I know. So. Uh, those are some of my earliest memories. Um, and she's always been of my entire family. Our, both of our families have been so supportive of us. Uh, but one of my first songs I ever wrote, uh, you, you might even be getting asked, you know, about the first songs we wrote. But it's I will, not, don't worry. Yeah, it was. <laughs> she gifted me a, a red truck uh, this past year for my birthday because she just found it sitting on a shelf at some department store. She's like, you remember when you wrote that song, you know, when you were nine? So she's always been there, my Mimo. And she got up on stage at uh, Whiskey Jam. So that was cool. Yeah, she was the star of the show. That's amazing. And now that song, is that the one that you wrote because of your guitar teacher? Or is that song about the red truck even earlier before that? No, that's because I was taking guitar lessons at the time. And uh, Dennis, my guitar teacher about nine shout out Dennis shout out to Dennis uh he's still playing around Louisville um incredibly talented dude he said you know what you're gonna write a song like, I'm gonna force you to be creative I can see it in you I want you to do this and I just remember after every lesson standing in our you know right in front of our front door my mom saying yeah he's gonna be my little country star and moved to Nashville one day and that was all the way back then so I was like what's the most country thing I could think of and it was the song was called I'm gonna drive my truck to Texas Never been to Texas at that point. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. That's the country's thing you think of. That's amazing. And so when you started guitar lessons, was that because 
you were really drawn to playing or was it just something to do back then that you thought would fill some time? I think when I first started playing instruments, it's just something I wanted to try. Uh, but I kind of caught on really quickly. I played the drums and I wish I would have stayed with keyboard lessons. Um, but guitar especially, I really locked into and loved early on. And for Austin, I saw for you, it was more Guitar Hero that sort of influenced your guitar playing along the way. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, in middle school, there was this place called the Teen Center in my hometown. And it's basically where parents dropped their kids off that wasn't the mall, you know, just to kill time. So there was a video game stations, those pool tables, basketball hoops, anything like that. And uh, that's when Guitar Hero first came out. And there were stations set up of people playing. I was like, what is this game with a guitar attached? And um, I was instantly hooked. And uh, I ended up beating the game on Expert. And I was like, man, if I could do that, I can play the real thing. That's not that much harder. And boy, was I wrong. I started uh, doing lessons <laughs> shortly after that and uh, just learning the chords, you know, four country chords, you know. And then uh, I taught myself the rest from there. But uh, yeah, shout out to video games. Um, thank you, mom and dad, for letting me play video games for two hours a day growing up. And so being involved in musical theater and singing in church, when was the point where, you know, music became something more for you as something that you did want to do outside of just those activities? Yeah, I mean, so growing up doing that stuff, it put that bug in my ear of, you know, theater school, like, it was junior year of college and I was already looking at New York University, some other universities up in, you know, Northeast that specialize in acting because I really enjoyed it. And uh, what that brought, I've always felt a sense of uh, belonging in that, that group, uh, singing and acting and stuff like that. And um, senior year happened, I was playing baseball and I was getting pretty decent at that as well. And um you know, I didn't want to do theater anymore. I was, you know, I was over that phase and um, choir. I, I didn't do choir anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, it got me to college. And once I met Brooks, it, it really made it a lot, you know, shed a light on making it a career. Because I've always wanted to do something in singing. I knew I was pretty decent at it. Um, and, you know, my parents didn't force me. But they're like, hey, you might need to go to school for something, actually, just in case something doesn't work out. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll listen to you. So I went to Murray and uh, thank God I did. Yeah, exactly. And before we get to that point, talking about first songs, I think I saw Austin that the first song you wrote was one called Repeat for the Western Kentucky State Fairs Country Showdown. Now, is that true? Did I read that right? Yeah, so it wasn't my, my technical first song. Uh, okay. my, my first one was senior year of high school. I wrote a song for uh, this girl I asked out. Um, I sat on the truck bed and sang it to her and she said yes. And two weeks later she said no. So it obviously wasn't that good of a song. Um, my first song I played in front of people was repeat at uh, the Western Kentucky State Fair. There's, I think there's a video on YouTube still of it. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think I sang, yeah, I sang repeat and I try to get the crowd hyped up as much as I can, all 10 people, but uh, it, but doing that on stage to, to, to an audience like that, that wasn't theater or choir, it was my own song and my own, you know, guitar playing. It, uh, it, it opened up my mind even more of like the possibilities of doing this professionally. 
Right. And now Brooks, for you going through high school, I saw two names, Stephen Hughes and Mitch Siriano, I think that's maybe how you say it. And back in 2017, you were saying it was going to be your last time on stage with them. And so talk about your journey with them and sort of your high school band phase that it looked like you went through. Yeah, we played in bands all throughout grade school, different bands up until we got to high school. And those are my boys and a couple of my best friends and definitely um, continuing to play music with them kept that fire, you know, deep down for me wanting to play music. Um, and then we got, uh, we took a couple years off because I, I went to college in Murray and they stayed in Louisville, Kentucky and went to U of L. Uh, I met Austin. We started playing music together. And Mitch was like, what the, what the hell, dude? Like, I thought that was us, man. I thought we were supposed to be playing music together. I was like, we got one more chance to, I promise you that before we find a band. Uh, so my brother, um, his fraternity put on this event every year and they invited us to play. We didn't have a band at the time. And I asked Steven and Mitch to do it. And it was um, one of our favorite memories. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. And was one of the bands called Lift? The Lift. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how are you finding all this stuff? Let's go. Doing your research, the lift. I love it. So what was that? Was that one of the later bands, like one of the last ones or one of the first ones? Or where did that fit in? That was high school. That was high school. What style of music? It yeah. Was just cover. Yeah, I just wrote random stuff. And they we tried to record some stuff on our own. And it might be on Facebook. It's terrible. But, uh, but you know... I always, you know, had uh, the ability to come up with lyrics. So that's where it started. And uh, actually being able to record with those guys for the first time, probably our sophomore year of high school, we, we didn't know what we were doing. But uh, it was exciting to, you know, to make a product and then listen to it. So did that for the first time with those guys. Yeah. Was that something you were doing in your parents' basement that I read when you were recording, just kind of doing it yourself in your parents' basement with what you had? Yeah, I ended up, you know, deciding, like, I want to do this. Uh, it's some, it sounds really exciting to me to be able to record and have a finished product. So there was one summer going into my senior year of high school. I was lifeguarding that year, so I had a bunch of time, you know, in the morning or in the afternoon and uh, pretty lax schedule during the summers. So I'd wake up, and if I was off work that day, I'd, I'd work on a song the entire day, and I'd finish the song, and uh, it's just – it was a really fun summer. None of them were good. It was fun. <laughs> and so how has that experience helped you going into the studio now when you're producing a song? Has it given you a bit of a leg up and sort of understanding a bit more than you would have if you wouldn't have done that in your parents' basement? Yeah, I wish I would have been better at it back then. There's a lot of people who are very good at a young age at recording music and producing music, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I was nowhere near that good. Uh, definitely better now. But I think it kind of gave me that instinct of what I wanted to hear, you know, when a, when a different dynamic, uh, when it comes to the song, changing dynamics and uh, just wanting to hear a certain sound at a certain spot. It definitely helped that process. Right. And now, Austin, let's talk about, I think it was 2011 maybe or maybe 2012 you auditioned for the voice i believe i saw is that true yeah that's true um we both ended up auditioning for the voice i know you did american idol too or something right yeah okay. um, but yeah i was we both got cut i mean i um i was 16 years old went to memphis tennessee and uh yeah stood in line all day long 
went into the room. There was about 10 of us total. And we would stand up and sing a verse and a chorus of a, a cover song. And mine was God Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flatts. And uh, yeah, I was the only person out of that group that got called back. And I did not get called back after the second <laughs> round. But it was a great experience. And it opened my eyes to the world of entertainment. I mean, that's lights, cameras, producers. I mean, that's, that's a real thing. And from a young age, I was honestly terrified. Um, coming from a small town in Kentucky, going to Memphis to, to sing in front of producers. But yeah, it, um, I probably wouldn't do it again, but it was, it was yeah. a good experience back then. Did either of you have an understanding of who you were as an artist when you had those experiences? No clue. Absolutely, Absolutely no clue. We were, I was singing most of the cover songs. Yeah, at the time. we were karaoke singers at that point. Yeah, so I mean, we're still, you know, slowly evolving into us as artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's talk about that for a second before we jump back to, you know, you guys meeting, because that's something I wanted to talk to you about. You had your debut EP in 2016. And now when you listen to that EP and you listen to your more recent stuff, you can definitely hear that evolution from, it feels like back in 2016, you were trying harder to be country, whereas now you're not trying so hard. And so within that evolution, when do you Like, when do you say this is who we are? Is there ever that point or are you forever evolving within this journey? Yeah. Uh, Recently, we were asked, you know, if there was a piece of advice, what would you give to new artists, young artists? And what I would say is at each stage, we've been very excited and proud of what we've been working on. So as long as that's happening and you have that mindset, um, you are you are the artist you're supposed to be. So. Um, you know, we listen to different music and a lot of those different influences come out through the years. Um, you hear something else, something new comes out and you're like, wow, I kind of want to incorporate that in our songs now. So, um, music evolves everything you pop country. It's all constantly evolving and it's fun when it does, because you get to challenge yourself every time. Right. I guess that's a big thing to it, right. Is continuing to challenge yourself. Like it feels like there's always this divide maybe within music where there's this group of fans who say I love your music now so don't change but then there's a group of fans who say don't stay the same keep evolving I want to hear new stuff from you so is that a a a line you have to tell within your music yeah I mean but you know just like with everything else we're we're human too everybody changes especially over a five six year period You're, you're not the same person you were five years ago and same with our music. We're not in that same creative headspace that we were five years ago trying to go that lane of country. You know, now we're trying to make our own lane and uh, we're, we're more comfortable with ourselves as individuals and as a, a duo. We've, we put a lot of miles on 641 over the years and we kind of know what we no want to sound intended. like. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, we, we put a lot of work into what we want to sound like and it's always a fun process, especially bouncing ideas off each other. Uh, you can all, you know, the possibilities are endless with, with two guys instead of one. Right. And now let's talk about the beginning of when you met. So you're taking part in Mr. MSU at Murray State. Now, tell me about this competition. Is this like a serious thing where the winner is kind of held up on this pedestal or is it kind of just a fun thing that's held every year? Tell you what, if the winner wins and they're single, man, they ain't going to be single for long. Yeah, it's but, uh, it's homecoming king times 10. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
No, you. everybody in that competition is nominated by an organization. We were nominated by a fraternity. Most people were nominated by a fraternity, um, which we were. So we did it because our fraternity brothers knew we could both sing. That's the only reason why yeah. we cared to do it, other than to support the philanthropy. And we were single. So. And, hey, hey, and we're still trying to make our mark uh, on the ladies in college, you know. Uh, so the AOPI, the sorority there, put it on. And it was a great time. It was a full week of hard work. Um, so definitely, you know, a little stressful, especially in college. And you get up on stage in front of 2,000 people and you're just – you know, dancing and singing and dressing up in a suit and strutting around. So a little out of our, uh, my element, at least, but, uh, it was a good step. And if it weren't for that dress rehearsal, you know, that the day before the show, um, Austin was playing in the back, in the back room. And I asked him what he was going to play. And he said, I might be playing an original song. And that's kind of when we started talking about writing together. And so how long did it take for you guys actually to jump in a room together and to start writing. It wasn't until that next summer that we wrote our first song together. Um, I had an internship. I went to school for occupational safety and health um, and I had an internship in Louisville, Kentucky, his hometown, um, coincidentally. And we met at a fraternity party at the end of the year, that, that sophomore year of college. And I was like, hey, I'll be in your hometown this summer working. Um, he's like, well, you gotta come over. We gotta write sometime. I'm like, okay, cool not thinking anything of it, you know, just passing by here. He say, he say, she say, but, um, first day on the job in my cubicle, I get a text from Brooks saying, Hey, after work, come over uh, to my house. And I did. And, uh, we wrote a song that night. We talked for hours and just messed around on guitar. I think we recorded the cover too, just to see if yeah. we can even mesh together. And, uh, we wrote a song. It, it wasn't the best song, but the vibe was there and the chemistry was there. And so I went over to, to his house, two to three times a week that summer and we would write. And then towards the end, um, like Brooks said earlier about recording in his, his basement, that's what we did that whole first summer. And we put out, so some of those songs that were on those first EPs were on SoundCloud beforehand. Cause that's what we did. We recorded in the bathroom one song and put it up. And um, turns out one guy from Nashville, um, an executive was like, Hey, do you ever want to, make an actual production let me know and you can record nashville so we, we hopped on that real quick so before that first time writing that summer you i believe you both were playing sort of open mic nights and doing your own thing but did either of you have this vision of a career in music as that at that point as a solo artist before you came together i think we both kind of hoped like oh maybe maybe we'll get famous before we graduate college. Maybe some, yeah. maybe something will happen. Maybe word, word will spread, you know, between colleges or whatever and friend groups, but uh, it wasn't realistic at that time. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I just wanted I to play. I wanted to play in town and play shows, but wasn't thinking about touring. I wasn't really even thinking about recording music uh, for real in a studio. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I want, uh, there was a, an event in my hometown every Christmas, a, a songwriter here in town puts on, so he invites his other songwriting buddies, and I got to open up for him um, one of those benefits, and I sang repeat, and I got that songwriting bug, so I wanted to see if I can write songs in Nashville, but I've always wanted to sing, but yeah, like, like Brooks said, it was never like a, an actual possibility, because you don't know how to get into the business, especially in college in another state, like how do you 
tackle Nashville when you're not even there. So we just had to graduate first and then see what happens. Right. And now one of the influential people, I believe, at that start of the journey when you began to release music was Alex Torres. He approached you and started working with you and kind of pushed you towards recording some more professional music. And so talk about him and how you connected and what he meant for that beginning journey. Would you be where you are today without him? That was definitely our first foot in the Nashville. And uh, we got to record with guys who are super talented, you know, guys who play on award shows and, um, you know, they you know, are the utility guitar player for Kenny Chesney and it, crazy you know it's just kind of crazy stuff and some one of them still plays on our music today tim tim galloway um so now he definitely helped get our foot in the door so we're grateful for those first two eps uh at at the end of the day it's not what we want to sound like but um we're definitely grateful that he got us to nashville for sure and now those first few eps were you guys they were co-writes between you two you hadn't quite moved into the Nashville co-writing scene. I saw that in 2018, maybe I might. It seemed like the first co-write that you had. And that was with Driver Williams, who is the guitarist for Eric Church, I believe. I hope I got all that information yeah, right. Yeah, but right. T- talk about meeting him. And was that sort of your first co-writing experience with him? Yeah, so that was our first time writing with Driver. Uh, it wasn't our first actual co-write in town. Um, we've, we've wrote up until that point, but that was the first, I would say like top notch songwriter that we got to write with and two green eyed guys from Kentucky. I mean, we know Eric Church, like, and the fact that we get to write with his guitar player, we were, we were ecstatic just to be in the room. And um, we brought that idea in that day and he loved it and we finished it and put it out. And um, we've written with him a few times since, but yeah, it's always cool getting to, to hear bigger songwriters stories and where they came from and how they got to this spot. Because I mean, you're all in the same room for a reason that day. So it's always cool knowing their struggles and how they navigate it. So it's, you know, we take something from every right we go to. Right. And now with a solo artist, it might be easier for them to sort of branch out and co-write because it's just them. But with the chemistry that you two have together, was it a little difficult off the start bringing other people in and sort of opening up to them and allowing it to be this organic experience? We're better songwriters now because of it. Just, just because we realized we had to sit in there and, you know, take a back seat for a second and learn. Um, you know, there's some people who are, amazing like they were born to write songs and i believe we were too but man there are some people who are the van gogh of songwriting and when you step into the room with them it blows your mind how good they are but it just makes you a better writer and we definitely found our our crew of people um and it feels good because you know most of the time when you get in there with them you're gonna get something that you like um, and, but that's all, it, it, that was a long process to get to that point. That was, you know, two, two and a half years, three years just to get there. So, um, up until that point, you know, you're writing with different people almost every time and you're just learning who you are as a writer and you're learning how to communicate. Um, uh, maybe when you like something, maybe when you don't like something, somebody's idea and, and also how to, um, you know, meet in the middle. So it definitely made us better writers. And is it an interesting process of, leaving your ego at the door so you're not coming in with this inflated head of 
you know, I have to be the best songwriter in here, but also not totally leaving your ego behind. Because like you say, you want to be able to speak up and say, I don't like that idea, but you don't want to take it so far that the other writers like, oh, I can't write with them. They're not listening to me. Is there a, a balance there? Yeah, for sure. Um, and with co-writing, it's it's also less pressure. Like you don't have to be the best at everything every day. Like, and you're not. And just frank, be frankly honest. I mean, one day you could be the the lyric guy, and then the next day you could be the melody guy. Next day you could just be the sitting back and agree with things guy. Like it just depends on on the day. Um, yeah, it's if anything, you know, we still need to bring our ego in there a little bit. I wouldn't even call it ego. I would just call it confidence in what we want to sound like um, to be able to say, no, I don't like that line or that melody could be different. Um, if anything, it's just bouncing off of each other. You know, like what, what part of our stories can we fit into this song today? Because we each have our own life and upbringing and it's songs are supposed to be a representation of your life and your artistry. And since there's two of us, it's, it's a little more difficult some days to get both of our stories into a song, but when it works, it really works. And I think the fans can tell. Right. And now when you made the move to Nashville, like you were saying before, coming from Kentucky, you weren't quite sure how to do it, how to make that transition. And so when you finally decided to move to Nashville, what was the feeling? Was it scary or at that point, were you confident enough that that was the right move? I remember talking to Austin. I was like, dude, we're not even in Nashville and we're, you know, we belong there and we're some of the best writers in Nashville. And of course at that time we weren't, <laughs> that was in college and before we moved, but it's all part of that confidence and that belief. And, you know, you kind of do, you do have to leave your ego at the door, but you also have to be like, you know, I think we can do this and I think we can write some cool stuff that, you know, can build a fan base. Um, but when we first moved to town, uh, I think we originally just signed a six month lease. And funny enough, the rent on that lease was twelve eighty two. So we each paid six forty one a piece. Uh, our first apartment in town seems like all the stars aligned at that point. But we we're still like, you know, six months. This is a this is crazy what we're doing. What we're doing. Um, we're just you know packing up everything and leaving home to chase a dream. People don't do that where we're from. So uh, it was definitely a little scary at first, but we settled in after a couple months. And, you know, after three or four months, we ended up meeting our manager. So it all worked out. And when was the point where you thought, okay, this was the right move? Because you've had the chance to tour with some great artists. You've been able to put out more music, sort of constant music. And so was there a point where you could kind of relax and say, okay, this was the right move. We're in a bit of a groove now. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I think I can, you know, me personally, I think I can pinpoint the exact moment. Um, it was when we met our manager, Aaron Kaiser. Uh, we put out a song called Plain Crazy in 2018. Put a little sponsored ad on Instagram, nothing crazy. And uh, he just so happened to see it. And he slid in our DMs um, like anybody does nowadays. And he was like, hey, when are y'all playing next? So we told him we'll be in Louisville, Kentucky, playing this Thursday. So he's like, all right, I'll be there. So he, he drove up and watched us play to a fraternity part at a fraternity party, basically. And uh, we got pizza after. And the next week we had more gigs with him. He's like, hey, I want to make, you know, I want to be your manager. I want to take you guys, you know, the places that you want to go and that we can all go together. And 
um, we started getting more shows come in. So we were like, man, I think we made the right decision here. It's funny what a hundred dollars can do on an Instagram ad. It's um, the stars definitely aligned and uh, we're super grateful for him. And that live performance, like when you guys get in the writing room and you mesh and it feels good, but when you jumped on stage together, what was that experience like? Because that's an important part of it too, right? When you're in front of a live crowd is ensuring that they feel the energy between the two of you. So was that a bit of a process to work out or did you feel really comfortable with each other on the stage right away? We've always been pretty comfortable on stage. You know, whether it's a, it's sitting down at an open mic night and you're just playing on a bar stool or you finally get a chance to run around on stage, which that was probably one of the first shows that Aaron came to that we were energetic, running around, interacting with the fans. So we've always loved that part of getting in front of the crowd, you know, making sure that everybody's having fun and we, we have fun doing it. And is it a good thing to have both of you on stage? So when you get on a bigger stage, you can sort of each take half of it. You're not just one artist trying to play this whole stage. Yeah, we fill up twice the room. So it's it's good to have somebody, either both of us running around the stage. So it looks like the whole thing's taken up or, you know, one of us plays guitar and the show is not as stagnant as a solo artist would be, you know, because somebody else is running around the stage. So, right. And now let's talk about 2020. When you get there, you've been in town for only a couple of years. You've released some music, but as a new group, who's trying to make this happen. What did 2020 mean? Because you did still put out music and on social media, you seem to stay pretty positive. So behind the scenes, was it still a positive atmosphere and just saying, let's write, let's, let's put out music. Let's do what we can do, even though the situation sucks. Oh God, it was terrible, but you do learn a lot about yourself when you're going through what everybody did, you know, but as two musicians that who kind of have one shot at this when you lose a year that really sucks but uh we learned a lot about our artistry i don't think we'd be tackling the angle that we are now if it weren't for 2020 um and you know we did a lot of interviews and you know live streams and stuff so you get used to being in front of a camera a little bit more uh, so there was there was still a lot of growth in 2020 and most of that was because you just had to push through that terrible feeling of feeling like you can't do anything about it. You want to get out there. You want to play shows. But luckily, we were still able to release music and and keep everything moving. So, I mean, piggybacking off of you, I think it, it really taught us to just show up regardless, um, no matter what. Even if our, you know, mentally we're not there or something's going on in our lives, like still show up every day, even if nothing's on the calendar, and work on something and get better because there will come a day when it's all over and you got to go back out there and you, you can't backtrack. So it, it taught, it taught us to really show up every day. Even when you have a kidney stone. Even, yeah. Learned to write one day with a guy, um, his name is Matt Alderman. He's a really great writer in town. Um, I'm sitting in the room and I'm like, man, my back is hurting. I think I'm dying. So like, I was like, Hey, I need to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom. Obviously nothing happened. Went back and it kept getting worse. I was like, I'm sorry guys. I got to go. I can't, something's wrong. Not even an hour later, I'm hovered over the toilet. Like I'm going to die. I had a a kidney stone. I was trying to write a song. (laughs) Oh man. So coming into 2021 and started right here, your new EP, 
when was that sort of created? Was that music that was formed throughout 2020 and sort of early 2021? Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Just like this over Zoom. Yeah, over Zoom. Uh, half of it was over Zoom. And then we, we ended up getting into the studio. And that's kind of when we formed this alliance with our, our buddy Matt, our, our producer Matt, and uh, our buddy Mason Thornley. And man, we've just been on a groove the past couple of years together. And uh, hopefully a lot of those songs we've been writing are, are going to see the light of day pretty soon. Um, but definitely 2020. Uh, getting comfortable writing on Zoom and then uh, finding a groove with Matt and Mason. Uh, that's where I started right here. That EP came from. And so when you're writing music now, because you're evolving as a group, are you ever pulling from material that you had maybe a couple of years ago? Or when you're looking at new music, is it always sort of created in the here and now? Because this is where you are as artists. That's a great question. Um, so at this point, we usually try to create as we go, uh, new ideas and, and new, you know, processes of how to create. But every now and then, um, we'll send each other old voice demos or old demos, like, hey, that melody of this song was cool. We're not going to use the song. Maybe we should think about reusing that melody somewhere. And so stuff like that happens sometimes, but not as much as you might think. Um, usually it's just what can we create in the room that day? So that's, that's the fun part. Right. And do you ever think you'll challenge yourself and bring back those first songs that you guys wrote as teenagers and say, let's challenge ourselves to try and turn these into something that sound like us now? <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. If we if we just had the itch to do it, I, we would do it um, probably not anytime soon, but <laughs> we can rewrite Texas. Yeah, we can do Texas for sure. Do a Red Dirt album. That's right. Exactly. And so what do things look like for the future? You mentioned you do have music that you would like to put out sooner rather than later. So how are things looking right now? Yeah, right now uh, we're just still, there's a lot of good ones. So it's hard to pick. So we're just trying to figure out what, what the project's going to look like and uh, make sure it's a cohesive, uh, you know, album. And we just can't wait to get it out. I'm so excited to get it out. And are we going to see maybe a single or two more from the current EP that you'll release? Or is it sort of now looking towards new music? Yeah, we're looking towards the new music now. Um, I know we're trying to push started right here as a single just for outlets and, and stuff like that, just for more exposure. But as far as like playlist pushing and stuff like that for other songs, um, it'd be great if they landed on one, but we're not pushing for, for a single song from the last EP. Uh, it's it's full force into the next project. So we're excited about that. And what does touring look like for you guys right now? Uh, so we're, we're kind of off right now, but we just got off the road with Tyler Rich. Uh, yeah. We did nine dates with him, which was incredible. Uh, hopefully we get to do that again. And we have a couple dates with Walker Hayes this summer. Um, and just slowly adding more dates as we go. And so what does that mean, not only to get in front of bigger crowds, but to also sort of join the Nashville community and meet these artists and become friends with these artists and be able to join that community as well? It's crazy. It's, it's so surreal. Um, two dudes coming from Murray, Kentucky, to be able to play with Tyler Rich and Brantley Gilbert, Eli Young Band, and so on and so forth. I mean, we never thought we'd be taking the big stage with those artists at this moment in time. 
we thought we had some more, you know, steps to get to, but we're just steady working and keeping our heads down and uh, taking any opportunity we can. And we learn something from every artist we play with. Uh, it's really cool being included in that group now. Um, yeah, we're just excited to see where that leads from there. And within this journey, I think it's been about four years since you've been in Nashville. Now, how quickly does that go because of this journey and the fact, like you mentioned, it's sort of head down and do the work and move on to the next thing and then and the next thing. Does that make time go really quickly when you're sort of in that mindset? You know, it has gone by pretty quick. Um, not 2020. Not 2020, but especially a year and a half ago. Uh, when, or a year ago for you when you signed your deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been uh, like living a, like you don't work a day in your life scenario. Uh, Cause we just get to do what we love. You know, the past year, year and a half, it's definitely just flown by. And is that an important mindset to keep is we're doing what we love because you can get wrapped up in what's the next thing. And I need this many listens and this many followers and this tour and that tour to just appreciate we're in Nashville, we're doing what we love and we're able to put food on the table. Oh yeah. It's, it's very important. It'll drive you crazy. Yeah. If, you, if you keep thinking of what else can I do to get, get to where I want to be quicker. It's all happening in the right time. Um, we're here at the right time. We're going at the right pace that we need to be going. Um, so it's, it's hard to think that way a lot of the times because you do see the industry around you flourishing, what it looks like on you know social media. And it's, you just got to keep that mindset of keep your head down, show up every day. It's the right time regardless. Just have fun with it. Like if you, if you quit having fun, making music, you lose the authenticity. Yep. Thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to Brooks and Austin for stopping by and sharing their story. Be sure to check out their EP started right here, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. Thanks once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music.